Hello everybody and welcome to She Talks Tech, where I profile women in technology and STEM careers. My aim is to elevate and amplify their stories and inspire more women to join this field. Through detailed interviews with successful women in technology and STEM, I explore their career paths, challenges, successes, and advice for aspiring professionals. Join me as I celebrate the achievement of women in technology and STEM and discover the diverse and exciting opportunities available in this field. And today, in today's episode, I have one of the most amazing women that I know. Um, I think her role changes in my life because sometimes she is um, a mentor and a mother in tech for me. And at some point, I'm like, ooh, our future president, I have to draw all the knowledge because I'm looking forward to the days when she becomes our president. And the next, she's literally just someone who supplies me with earrings. So uh, welcome, Nomso, or do I call you Ikwezi Lomso, uh, Kana? Because that is the short version. And Ikwezi Lomso, that's the long version. But yes, thank you for the invite and hello to all your listeners. <laughs> Yay, I'm really excited that we get to share. I think, I feel like I know you, but like sometimes when I go through the things that you do and I'm like, I don't know anything about this woman because there's just a lot. But I want to be in a position where we start from the very lighter note of, of things. And it's, I think we get to do really good justice to someone's story when we get to understand where they grew up and uh, where their story is. So I know you grew up in the Eastern Cape. Um uh, I could be wrong. You can correct me, but that's as far as I know. And I want to get to understand how was it like growing up um, in the Eastern Cape for you? I'm the last born in six kids. And I mean, I have all the characters of the last born. Hmm. Naughty, undomesticated and like um, chocolate and sweet things. <laughs> Ah, so actually, I actually didn't know that it's a like the the chocolate thing is a is a last born thing. This actually makes sense because I actually have no idea why people actually really are crazy about chocolate. Um, somehow I love buying chocolate for people, but it's just like whatever. If if it makes you happy, I'm okay with that. It doesn't change my life in any manner. But hey, no judgment. Right now, I just found out that it's actually um. Uh, a last born thing so I uh, yeah and then um you grow up in Eastern Cape and then um in, in your upbringing was there any sort of like tech influence I want to be like that person because of what they do um so I grew up typical village girl mm. um you know I would go with my dad and I think the reward out of that would be to watch Star Wars or or, or watch cartoons then I began to fall in love with these gadgets that, you know, there's a gadgets that can teleport you from here yeah. to there. Yeah. I think that's the only minimal influence of tech that was there. But otherwise, being in a village, I mean, the highest career you find there, it's probably a teacher and mm-hmm. maybe it's a maths teacher. So the only influence that I got there was just you need to focus on your education. There's nothing else. Yeah. And during the time that you were studying, um, did you have to choose like a different set of subjects? Was it like um, science and tech or commercial subjects? And how is that like? So... Uh, so my mother picked up actually that I have um, a very, uh, I have an aptitude for maths mm-hmm. um, because every time she would um, travel with me, I would be counting things, dividing them. So that would actually annoy her because I'm busy. Uh, we're in a shopping mall yeah. or in a, in a shop and I'm busy counting all the brown chips, counting the yellow chips. They have red, yellow chips here. They have blue ones. So it, it sort of um, became maybe, you know, that um, note or, you know, when you identify a talent in someone that, oh, this person can sing, look at that. Mm. And then she started to harness it. Mm. So from primary, the focus was focus on maths and science. And mm. then I got to, to, to high school, it was then just pure maths and science okay. until I got to varsity. Move then, go to varsity and choice was actually medical biology mm-hmm. is it 
So it is a medical uh, technology or biology. It, it, I wanted to be a medical doctor. Oh, so, actually, wow. And, and I mean, that, that that's the highest, I mean, if you yeah. consider in, in our Black communities, yeah. if you say you want to be a doctor, immediately, just by making that choice, you already have respect in the community. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to be that. Um, but then again, I was accepted into two universities. Mm. And then someone talked, you know, spoke to me about computer science, that, you know, you're going to do computer science and you're going to learn computer languages. I was mm. what, what are you talking about? No, no, no. So I, I, I didn't opt to go and study medicine. Okay. I opt to go and study computer science. Mm. So I did physics and I did chemistry. Yeah. Um, then later on, after my second degree, then I discovered there is a life called uh, medical biology science. Mm. I got interested now into studying microbes, I mean, uh, human fluids, analyzing them. Mm. And then programming also came in because it was such, it's such a great mixture to, to, to see from early on how you know things merge even right now we in the four i are beginning to see that you can actually have you can merge biology and merge um, biosciences with programming Mm. and merge ai with biosciences nowadays um, pharmaceuticals are looking for you know precision medicine is because Mm. they've merged that together yeah um oh yeah it started then Mm. and then i discovered that you know what programming fits here also but then again i jumped into nuclear which is a story (laughs) for another day yeah, I mean, a story for another day that I'm really interested in. I am very much um, really interested in the in the nuclear science as a part of your life. But before we get to that point, um, something r- happens very early in 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 your your beginning of your studies. So before you start with like your medical technology and 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 med- well, medical science. Um, and then everything that has to do with it, you mentioned coding in there. Um, you get diagnosed with cancer, and this is like in the very early stages of your career. How does that yeah. like? How does that come about? What is that journey in general for you? You know that journey. When I look back at it, um, I find it. I actually look at myself and I think, who was that person that was just so courageous? Hmm. because number one I discovered this and then I tell my sister who is a nurse and then she immediately says okay if the doctor said they've discovered these cells that are growing and they're cancerous Hmm. um, so it's better that um, you go to this kind of doctor and oncologist so Hmm. that they can make more investigations and things like that so I'm at Verts at that time. I was actually doing my master's. Mm. I'm at Verts doing master's in, in pure chemistry. Um, and, and, and then she says, you know, I'm going to come up and then we're going to go together. So by the time we get there, the dude is saying, oh my goodness, these are growing so fast. They've moved into another stage. Mm. So, you know, the, the malignant cells, when they move to another stage, it means, um, it, the the infection, let me call it an infection, is spreading fast. Mm. So it's almost like when you have um, an avo, you know, it's yeah. soft, then you can eat it. Then you, may, you, you leave it in a warm place and then it gets those dark spots. And then until it's dark and dark. So it was moving so fast as if I am exposed mm. into an, you know, an environment that causes cancer, if I can put it like that. Yeah. Um, so the, 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 then the oncologist said, you know what, um, we need to do an operation very soon. Mm. So either you do it with me here in Joburg or you go home. And you do it in, in the Eastern Cape in East London. Yeah. And then my sister said, okay, no, she will have to go home and do it then. So I pack and I go. I think it was around mid-May. Uh, We're getting into winter and yeah. um No, it was April because I remember I stayed home maybe for four weeks and I was like, I'm writing exams. I'm going back. I'm going back to to the university. 
And I, okay, yeah, so fast forward, the operation happens, and then he recommends after the operation, after your exam, you need to go for some chemo. I'm like, sure, I mean, this is like medicine, you discover someone has flu, and then yeah. they take medicine. That's how it worked out in my mind. <laughs> yeah. But my family was so devastated to a point that they thought um, the way it's spreading fast maybe it has infected other organs um or it, you know the operation it you know didn't they didn't extract it so well um so usually what they do they just remove whatever i'll call it skin maybe just to make it quite easy to understand yeah. let's say it's infected on the skin and then they just cut that area and leave the rest but you need to go for chemo to actually sort of like it's almost like you are burning that the the the, the, the surrounding parts of where that um cut um was done yeah so that whatever was there does not return so i did i did chemo um and there were other ladies there that i met quite older woman and and you know it was they made it so easy also but they had different cancers the other one um, um had lost a hair the other one was breast cancer mm. uh, but I learned a lot yeah. but what was happening in my academia on the side is that I then failed all my exams so my mom mm. said you know what you need to take a break from school let's just focus on this because in every six weeks you need to go for chemo yeah. And once you go for chemo, you need to be in a clean environment and being in a, in a, in a university residence, it might not work out um, because, you know, all sorts of things are there. So chemo, and then you need to stay home. Um, so then I dropped my master's at that, at that stage. But nine years later, when all these people I was with in that chemo room, mm. they all passed on. And then I thought, oh my goodness the way we were laughing and making fun of men and boys mm. and the way we were talking about fashion, you wouldn't think these people are in such pain and yeah. they had sort of that short, you know, they, they, their lives were shortened. Um, yeah. and, and some of them knew that, you know what, this is going to happen, but in three years or in, in six years, I'm going to going to have to, to, to go. And I'm just putting that lightly, but it, it was such a, so I realized later, you know, when I'm entering my adult, my real adult world, that, whoa, what yeah. was that all about? Who was that? <laughs> because it was, it was to me like I have flu and I'm going to get medicine. Mm. Once I'm done, I am okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's quite a, when I think about it, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a traumatic a phase but how I reacted to it, it it's almost like it didn't stay on me but the only issue that stayed was the fact that I made great people yeah. and I couldn't celebrate with them when I went back to do my test and they discovered that the cancer is gone it's out of the body mm-hmm. um, so that was the only you know hit in that and, and I was the youngest in the room. And for, so for them, they were more like, you know what, we're quite older, we've seen life, um, we still have to explore more. Yeah. And you seem to have a very naughty character. So <laughs> continue being naughty. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, it was very, very interesting. And I think um, one thing that I'm, I'm thinking of uh when you're talking about all oh, this is mostly really like um your fighting spirit and I, I think um more than anything I am I am Christian so I'm just gonna pin it to to God and say thank God for your life um because I think there has to be a reason why you're here and somehow we get to see it with with the kind of work that you do i mean right now we 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 are in that position where we are we are talking about your career and we'll pick up on a lot of things that you've done but i want to pick back to you as a nuclear uh, scientist I think for a lot of us, um, nuclear scientists or nuclear in general, we hear the name nuclear comes in a very um, devastating situations. 
that actually makes the whole thing, <laughs> the whole TAM very scary for a lot of us. But I think with learning and with 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 doing research and, and stuff, you get to really understand. But if for someone who actually maybe at first was as scared as I was to actually just hear the word, because it just sounds like a very, um, uh, it, sometimes it's attached to, to words that has to do with war. So you just assume that, yeah, maybe there has to be war or something or, or what, are, what are we talking about actually when we talk about nuclear and you being a nuclear scientist? It is such a, you know, it's, it's, I, I cause a lot of stay when um, I step into rooms and I have to introduce myself and introduce my, my profession um, or trade. Mm. And, it, you know, it, in nuclear, there's, there, there are either two places that you can be. Mm. Number one is being on the academia side. Obviously, you can st you start off from studying physics um, because this is where all concepts are introduced mm. of, of of nuclear, and and also you study obviously um, you know the full bouquet bouquet of 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 STEM. Your maths needs to be in there. Your sciences need to be in there, and you then go into a place where um, you are practicing what you have started. Yeah. So um, studied rather. And, and, and in that, um, it's really two things. When, when someone says I'm a nuclear physicist or nuclear scientist, which is quite the same thing or nuclear engineer, it is because they are, they are designing processes uh, or harnessing processes. Um, so if someone is in the energy space for nuclear energy, if someone is in the medical space in which I was in for mm. medical nuclear science, and also if someone is in, in research um, mm. to actually produce more knowledge, uh, so you design processes to produce more knowledge in, in, in nuclear. Um, and you will be surprised most of the NASA astronauts and yeah. nuclear um, physicists that were in academia. Um, yeah. So they actually understand how the universe is and also how the body reacts to certain um, spheres of the universe. Yeah. Hence, they can go to outer space or things like that. Yeah. yeah. So funny story, while I was practicing, so I did... Um, enrolled to be a medical biology scientist. Mm. There was a time we had a, a flu breakout, H1N1. So we used to analyze, you know, the human fluids out of that. So while I was practicing um, and, and, and also being in the lab doing that, I got a call from someone who worked in the nuclear, in the research nuclear reactor in Pretoria, Pelindaba, yeah. just after Attridgeville. And they then said, you know what, we saw your CV on LinkedIn and we are just missing someone in the lab with your expertise. You have the medical biology side, you've done physics in, the, in your studies. Um, we want to, we would like you to send your CV. We would like you to actually um, come and see our labs at some point. And maybe you can consider jo you know, joining us. So yeah. that is like poaching. So they were taking one scientist to another. Um, mm. And then, I, you know, I did not have a problem because I was really interested, you know, I'm interested in all spheres of science because mm -hmm. you can never get enough of it. Mm. Um, then I went in there, I, well, I liked it, and then I started working there. So working in there, I then started to practice um, not rather not practice, but to be trained now because I came from a medical biology sciences. Then I had to be trained to work with um, you know equipment um, instrumentation that is used for yeah. in the nuclear medicine side. Mm -hmm. And um, I worked in the reactor where we were actually irradiating iodine um, one three one. So that is the element that is used to treat um, throat cancer. Yeah. So it was quite also very, very great. Um, you know, it was such a, 
it juxtaposed. I came from a cancer scare, and then now I'm working towards medicine to assist some of the the treatments that are used in in treating cancer. Mm. Um, and then I worked on that. So you would take a natural niodine, you irradiate it in the reactor, and then that is used then for cancer throat cancer treatment. You know, you see the throat cancer treatment that it has gone to its last stage when they remove the throat. Mm. Um, you would see sometimes there are people where they have a voice box that is, um, you know, it's 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 machine. I can call it machine where they have to press when they have to talk. Um, so that person had gone to the last stage and that throat, the voice box needs to be removed. Mm. Um, it means then cancer cells were growing into in, 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 in that area. And there wasn't, there wasn't much that can be done other than to remove it and put a machine to assist this person to speak. So we worked on that. I know the, the Steve Bigo Hospital, you, is one of the great centers in, in in South Africa that actually treats people with such. Mm. And it's a public hospital, meaning that you don't pay much if you discover that you have um, cancer in the body. So we worked on that and there was some... St- you know, stints way we met some of the scientists in Russia. You know, South Africa is a great relationship with the Russia and and nuclear science. So yeah. we we learned quite a lot from them. But I worked with such great colleagues in 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 that era. And you know, this is how it happened. I mean, I did not plan it. I was so, you know, I was just fine yeah. being a medical biology scientist mm-hmm. who is just in the lab wearing funny clothes yeah. and 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 you you are just analyzing stuff. And yeah. then I got that call and and just jumped in into that. But you know at the back of my mind I'm thinking it was good for me to actually always keep your LinkedIn profile clean mm-hmm. and 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 also making sure that um, people that are in the networks they actually see what you do so you talk about it you tell other students or learners that you know there's such careers and mm-hmm. then people begin to see oh okay we can actually work with this person on this side because they already have the background yeah yeah that is so interesting because you you get diagnosed with cancer you bid it and then later on work on something that is very much related to cancer yeah I don't want to be philosophical or anything but there's something there you Mm -hmm. do work as like a nuclear scientist and I imagine it sounds to me like a great kind of work and the work that you you enjoy but earlier on, you also did mention that you have um you had some ICT work that came in the mix. But what I'm asking myself is, when does the transition happen from this nuclear working as a nuclear scientist and and working in hospitals, and then now transitioning to ICT and and what's the reasoning around that shift? Sure, yeah. Also, you know, I, I was in the nuclear lab and I got bored and then <laughs> I left, decided to go open my own tech company Um, because I thought this is not interesting. Eventually things in, in you know, if you work in applied sciences mm-hmm. and there isn't much innovation around there. Um, because the consistency doesn't require much mm. and in and, and certain areas, in certain places, people are doing R&D and you are just in the applied part, um, then there isn't much. You just do routine things. Mm. So I decided I am bored. I'm going to open up my own company. And then I resigned. My parents did not. I offended. I didn't know that when you you just change career, when you make your own choices and change careers, people don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> people yeah. are so offended. How can you leave that job? Yeah, yeah. I think one thing that I've learned with parents is the fact that there's a sense of pride that comes with doing certain things. So having a scientist in the house, it's like, well, our daughter is a scientist. And then now, now she comes, she's like, she's bored. And, and her, her idea of killing boredom is actually starting a new company. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it was crazy because I couldn't understand. I'm like, 
this is going to be fun for me. I just yeah. want to do this. I want to tag because I, I've seen that you can actually have products and sell them that are in tech and okay. you can have a company out of that. Uh, so I took that transition as much as it was hard mm. for most people around me, my support system, because now they also have to do that shift and change to support this new venture. And but eventually it happened, they supported, and I've been in this crazy, crazy, crazy entrepreneurship journey, which is up and down. And but I'm I'm loving it. I'm loving um the indirect influence of it because had I not, and at that time, if I go into tech conferences, I'll find you know there's only one or two, I'll be might be the only girl in that conference um talking about networks but now um you know i could say eight years down the line there's quite a lot of us we even now have our own women in tech conferences mm -hmm. but yeah this is how it has shifted and it's always that one person that takes that you know unusual inconvenient and an inconvenient step and and you know it's 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 unorthodox no one thinks about it that one person that takes that and suddenly um, a lot of people they see um, that you know what this is actually something that I also want to do let me venture into it and and I suppose that one person um, has influenced a lot of a lot of a lot of people um, and 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 this is where I, I you know in my opinion I believe um, you can only influence people when you have substance. So I gotta have, I had to have suspense, substance um, because I had to move from something that was so stable to build something from scratch. And then still it grew and a lot of people looked at it and thought, you know what, I actually want to do that. Um, so that's the substance. So to be an influencer, you must have substance to cause yeah. people to change. Yeah. So we, we met in 2014, um, and I think at the time I was still fresh from university. Um, yeah. I, I do tell my story in this podcast that somehow my the beginning of like my getting into the industry and the corporate space and understanding um, came from actually banking classes and, and uh, going to the innovation hub. And then you were at the innovation hub at the time when you were busy doing a lot of things. And um, I believe at the time you were a an innovation ambassador for the for the innovation hub um what did that mean um i know innovation hub does quite a bit of work truly within the tech space but what what does your role mean being this innovation ambassador in a space that is housing a whole lot of um startups and people who are actually um trying to to grow and bring about different inventions yeah that that's such a, a great question and it's, it's just taking me back so i joined the innovation hub um uh the ceo at that time spotted me doing programs in the townships for girls um in stem and also it was technovation at that time so there was this us competition so i would go collect girls in 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 the in 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 township high schools in Attridgeville, uh, I went to Sosha Hamanskral. I would collect them, and then I'll tell them, you know what, you can. I would show them an app, and then say, you know, what, I want you guys to program this. So they'll be so shocked that like, how can you ask us that? Show us how it's done, and then they got interested, and then I started, um, you know, encouraging girls to build apps, um, to learn how to code. So he spotted me there, and then this is when I was still in, in the nuclear reactor. I then said, okay, or, or rather he proposed that, will it be possible for me to actually do this program at the Innovation Hub? I said, yeah, sure, no, that's fine. On weekends, I can do that. Actually, you helping me because I'm going to need space. More students are getting interested. And then I said, no, no actually, I want it full time. But at the same time, I had made that choice that I'm jumping out, I'll be doing this, but at the same time building my tech company. And then I thought, okay, 
while I'm in this space, because I've been a scientist all my life, let me just go into the innovation hub, meet other startup founders, and get to learn from other people how to run a startup, how to sustain it. Then I accepted that job. Again, I was poached, yes. <laughs> Come to think of it, I didn't apply for it. Then I got in and I started running the ICT tech startups and, and we built a couple of labs for people to innovate and learn and play around with products. We did one in the townships and 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 then that's how it started. So I was sort of like an incubator um, manager, but at the same time, I'm still a tech person to assist, um, you know, the founders that have great ideas and they want to use tech to solve certain challenges in their communities. Think, think of, yeah. <laughs> So then you, you, you like at the time you were working with Tangana, which is one of the organizations that I think is really important. Is, this, is it an organization that you're still busy with? Are you, are you still involved there? And what does Tangana do? So I'm, I am still involved at Tangana. It's a nonprofit. Um, it's, it's a nonprofit movement where we are going after girls that are in rural places, you know, girls that had my same profile, you are hidden there, but you know what, you don't have parents that will push you or encourage you to take up or focus more on medicine science. So we then look for girls in those spaces, you know, specifically in, in, in rural areas where we, we then um, give them an opportunity to come to Johannesburg and visit tech and STEM companies and meet great role models that you can relate with, women in science, women in tech, and, and get to learn about their own journey, learn about how they started, what they did when they were in high school, how they behaved, what they did when they were in varsity and how they landed into those jobs. So this is almost like, um, you know, finding or putting a pathway for in their minds because you're like dropping seeds, but this seed is like a pathway because now this girl will think, oh, okay, I can actually do this also because this person says I'm from a township, I'm from a rural area and I relate with that person. So in essence, Tangana, um, uh, Africa, what we do there is to encourage girls that study in rural areas to, to, to choose STEM as a career choice and to choose STEM as, as, as a subject matter choice and also to be retained in STEM subjects and all their lives. And also in addition to actually follow um, role models that they can relate to. We all love Einstein, but no, no one wants to have his hairstyle. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, to find role models, because I believe um, once you don't have someone that's up there, you can say, I want to be like that person then you're going to have a long journey because you're going to test and test a lot of things. They won't work out. But if you can look at someone else's journey and learn from their own mistakes, you can avoid quite a lot of things. So we want to have that pathway. It's an innovative pathway for someone to say, I want to be in STEM and I want to be retained in STEM. So that's what we do. We do. We give them that opportunity and they really love it because they come to Johannesburg, they visit these companies companies and they meet these great women um, and mentors like you that you have been in our product I mean in our programs and they ex actually get to interact with science on real time in real time um, I remember when we took them into to a to an open pit mine in in Whitbank so they could see all these big mine um, equipment and also all those trucks, those huge trucks. Um, so the, you know, to them, it was, what are you talking about? And one of the great stories we have is one of the girls um, from, you know, she, her family or rather the village and the schools where the, the school where they, they study, it is so far from Giani, the town in Limpopo. So, 
she says it's about 100 kilometers because they take they, their taxis usually take two hours or one and a half um, to get to town. So she just wanted to be a teacher, right? Because the next door neighbor was a teacher. Then she was selected to our program. She is now graduating at UCT as an actuary scientist. Would you believe that? And she asked me difficult questions. I'm like, what? I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> that that is really amazing yeah yeah because i mean one of the one of one of the reason i actually um started off this platform and i thought people like you really need to be in this kind of platform is the fact that um most of the young girls who are coming up or the young girls who are not even thinking about tech or thinking about careers that exist in tech would be able to have a mirror um, that they can look at because I think that is um, something that is lacking within with, within the tech space to actually just have someone that I'm able to identify with and look back. And I think personally, I've, I've navigated my career like that where um, I barely had like mirrors that look like me. I've had different mentors from different places um, uh, uh, but mostly it's it would be more like a male male figure um and it's hard to believe that you can be anything that you don't see so i think more than anything kudos to the work that you do um with 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 tongana because i think it's like beautiful work i've met the girls few times um in different occasions and it's just really beautiful to see the hunger and one thing that i really love is how how you then actually just look back to where someone come from and and how the journey has been, um, and you mentioned that uh, one of the great stories, the girl from Guiani, for example. Do you have like some of the stories that um comes from Taungana? Because I know it's like multiple countries, and there has to be at least like few stories that are like really um stories that are worth mentioning that you able to look back and be like, this was Taungana. Uh Okay, okay, you of there a lot. I mean, nowadays my Facebook is I always find um, you know, messages. Um, there's one, um, she Lerato, uh, she she was she was she was she's from Kwakwa in, in the Free State. And so she did her first year at University of, of Free State, and then I sent her a, a bursary to go study medicine in, in Russia. Um, and and then she was accepted because we also wrote a, a strong recommendation for her, and they were quite impressed that in her, you know, in her uh, projects, um, she wanted to use STEM to solve the water problem problems in her area. Oh, there's a, a you know a couple of them. So since Tangana, we we've worked in Swaziland, we've worked in in Zambia, Zimbabwe, and SA, and we we were venturing into Botswana before COVID hit us. So we've taken a a break from that, um, from from actually running the program until the the school's schedule comes back into you know in a very crisp format like before. Um, but I mean, several stories. Um, there's one in, in Zim, they wrote their A-levels and now they're going into University of Oxford in London and in Zambia, um, one is going to be a pilot. And these are girls who were just girls from rural areas. You know, some of them, they didn't think that I can even have a career choice. I'm just going to remain in my village. What's the point? But once we introduce that, um, it really changed their lives. Not only them, also their families. Yeah. We, you know, we also get, um, you know, the girl from 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 Uruman in in the Northern Cape. The mother could not believe it because she had to travel with her from the farm area they were staying in to the next bus stop, which was uh, like three hours. And then they had to use the, 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 the school principal's car to get to that bus stop and drop the girl. And they are talking to people on the phone that they've never met, but we managed to assure them that no, we'll make sure that they're safe. And they send the girls and it's such a beautiful program. Um, now she is, um, I think she's working now as an environmental scientist. So it's it's such things that people discover, like 
you know, there's a career call where you can be an astrophysicist, you can be an actuary scientist, you can be, um, you know, a nuclear scientist, you can venture into food science, you can venture into veterinary. Um, there's one who's doing that right now in the University of Nelson Mandela. And, and it's quite a lot. We have a lot of our cohort at Verts and UJ. So even, you know, out of that, out of the program, you find them even improving their, their, their marks in their studies and they excel so much that they go to the best universities. Yeah. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is such a beautiful, uh, beautiful testimony and testament of um, having to bring in uh, people for them to actually see what happens in the industry. Um, and I just want to say kudos to you on that part because I think it's great work and 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 you see it um, and it's important for people to hear the stories because it's stories of real people with real stories that then then gets to be changed at the end of the day. And I guess part of part of this platform, I'm trying to I'm trying to crack the code and figure out, why we don't have women in the spaces as much as I would desire to have them. Like why we don't have women who are tech leads, who are architects within the tech space and, and, and everything. What are some of your thoughts around that? Where do you think we are having the issue? You know, it's such a, it's such a old code that I believe it's going to take us years and while it's taking time to be, you know, to start to crack and fall apart, we should get as many women as possible into maths and science, into STEM, into tech. And there are a couple of things why uh, women, some pull out um, from pursuing STEM careers. Number one, you'll find that it's the stereotypes Stereotypes run so deep with other women. I was talking to a, a friend, um, Mets, that is in the in the in, in two grades higher than her, in order for her to form part of this extramural class on robotics. And then I was encouraging her, know that you need to push her to do it, get a tutor, someone who would be patient with her to understand uh, Mets. That is, she's doing grade five, but she needs to understand maths that is done in grade seven. Um, number one is stereotypes. Obviously, the girl is intimidated in the robotics class because it's mainly it's it's mainly boys, and 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 boys that are very active. They're talkative. They're owning their space. They're taking over. They're breaking things, starting, dismantling, and putting them back together. So she gets intimidated. And number one is the stereotypes that anything technical is not meant for women, because obviously the, the people believe that the world um, was put together by men, which, you know, <laughs> we give birth to people. Do they? No. <laughs> but anyway, um, but one of the counter things that one can do um, to really beat that stereotypes, because even um, as you, let's say you head up a reactor and you're going to mostly work with men in that, um, is that you need to be assertive as a person. And it starts from a young age. We must teach our girls to be assertive at a young age. I believe for us, it does not come natural as it does for boys. So this is the difference, you know, in our hormonal balances, some of them, you know, males have hormones that actually give them that natural uh, assertiveness, you know, that um, masculinity, which is, which is positive, but then again, it's, it's, it, it just determines, it makes things easy in some way for them. But um, for girls, we need to teach our girls to be assertive so that they can counter that stereotypes. Um, um, and then secondly, you find that now that you've gone through high school, varsity, you get to the workplace, or find yourself that you have to prove yourself to your colleagues. And, and you're a great nuclear engineer, 
Then again, people are like doubting your work because the, the person now behind a nuclear engineer, it's a, it's a female and, and females are associated being, for being weak. So now people are associating you for being weak, even though you are such an awesome um, um, nuclear engineer or nuclear scientist, then you need to counter that, um, you know, at some point you start off working in fear, right? Where you, you do double the work, you prove yourself more. More, but eventually that needs to minimize and you need to use that assertiveness you've earned while you were studying you use it now as a weapon that if you do something you are able to defend it and you are able to actually stand for it and call people off and not be afraid to, to correct someone I always say that if someone calls you out in public and tries to humiliate you in public you also need to you know speak directly to them them in public um so in in that is you know in that instant as a woman in science you need to have that ability to stand up for yourself to 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 actually be able to prove and you know and also call bluff when you see it and also be able to bring more women so that they can start to learn and be part of that space so that we can co-own that space technical subjects um stem is not meant for a certain gender it's meant for everyone because science is at our disposal so that we are able to solve our problems we face by using science and we're able to actually bring solutions to the table by using science. So it needs everyone who understands and can articulate and apply science. And it does, it not, does not need to be gender specific. It needs everyone. So we need to fill up those spaces. Um, so obviously, those are the two things I think they're important on. Yeah, and obviously you need to have your aptitude always on par. So you need to always, you know, read, be part of certain groups, attend conferences when you let you learn about new stuff and, and then just engage people, interact with new studies. And this is how you're, in, you know, you're expanding your perspective, you're expanding your own knowledge. So I'm saying all these things in responding to your question that, you know what, this is these are some of the mechanisms we can all put together in bringing um more more girls into into science and also to remove that stigma that science is it's it's difficult or it's 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 just boring and there's no fun in it but nowadays we see it it's it's quite a lot of fun um so those are the mechanisms i think one need to put in mind in in getting more girls into into stem i hope i hope that this is getting us really closer to to cracking the code because I don't know when, but what's the end of if if this podcast would ever end at some point? I think towards the end, the finale would be that we would have we would have cracked cracked the code and and figured out and and really um, started to take action towards towards the like making sure that the space is like at least uh, balanced way. Um. So yeah. I, 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 we, we, we actually have gone really far as far as this interview is concerned, but we have not even cracked the, <laughs> the surface of what you do and every, like everything that you do, because like, it is surprising that you are just like a well of so many, um, like uh, passions and, and, and also like, um, real and important work that you do. And one of the things that you do is um, you are an entire managing director and founder of a company that does work that I think is really important. So you founded um, Sun and Shield, um, which deals with fiber. Can you tell me a little bit about what, what Sun Shield is about and what led you to actually found such an organization? Awesome, awesome. So in my craziness in being bored in the in the nuclear lab and decided, you know what, I just want to go start my own tech company. I actually discovered that um, in South Africa, we're using a lot of copper for our internet transmission. Um, so that means um, in having either low speeds for internet connectivity or high speeds. Then I discovered fiber. 
um, and so I worked towards opening a fiber optic plant in which until today from 2013, we are still working towards that because um, it, it takes a while for certain markets to realize that um, some solutions will not come from the usual people. Uh, so in, in essence, we st I, I started the company which looks into connectivity. Uh, right now we're doing um, um, wireless connectivity, building Wi-Fi hotspots and doing quite a lot of work in, in, in writing policies and ensuring that um, connectivity is, is also seen as a human right, just like we have water, electricity as human rights and connectivity now is a human right and also affordability to connectivity is a human right. So I'm involved in that advocacy and involved in writing policies and consulting on talking to a friend of mine from Zim yesterday and we're going to revive our office over there because um, there's quite a need now, a demand for faster internet in, in, in Zimbabwe. And, and the work also has taken me into great stages. I remember I won, I won an award at Stanford University for actually um, using some connectivity aspects for our program, uh, Taungana Movement, um, in actually ensuring that girls get connected post the, the program. So it was like a social tech entrepreneurship award. Um, I think I won that in 2017. Um, but in essence, the company is about bridging um, the gap in connectivity and making sure that the unconnected get connected and also they have high speeds. In the near future, we'll be doing fiber to the townships, fiber to, to a village. Just like you've seen back in the days, there were telephone lines in, in, in townships and also in villages. We want also to do that. Just like also you've seen how electricity also, you know, have equated um, connectivity as a human right. Just like you've seen electricity going into everyone's house, wherever you are, then this is where we are also putting um, connectivity in that same line. That's what we do. That is so beautiful. And I hope that at some point, um, Africa will be connected, uh, not generalizing, but I think it's most parts of like the rural areas, even in South Africa, that you would regard to be most very much um, connected. When you go very far in the rural areas, there's still like problem with connectivity. And I hope that um, uh, from our mouths to God, uh, to God's ears, whoever needs to listen to actually make sure that that project is pushed forward is able to actually jump on and, and really we have that, that fiber plant and, and we are able to really, you have worked with the government. I mean, beyond working with the government, have not had a lot of people being um, given shout outs by by our president. Um, <laughs> but then one of the things that 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 is you is the fact that you we just on a random day the president just gets to be talking about you because you are just that amazing. You were a commissioner for um for IR. Are you still active in any manner? What, what's the update there and how do you get involved in the first place? Okay, so the work of the commission for IR commission in the presidency was initiated in 2019, early 2019, and we were um, tasked to actually do a, a 4IR strategy for, for, for South Africa. So using 4IR technologies to really bolster um, our, our, our competitive edge and also use um, those same technologies to, to solve some you know, problems that we see um, that um, are low hanging fruit and can be solved. Um, so we started then, we developed the strategy, we finished it. By the time COVID, um, the, the hard lockdowns in 2020, December, 
um, we, we're starting, we had finished the strategy and we we're also just behind the work of tracking COVID using a, a some sort of a NOC system, like a real-time network operating center where you would see the thematic areas where COVID was really hitting and moving fast. Mm-hmm. But in essence, we only developed a strategy, but it was such a cool group. Um, there were about 6,700 odd number of people that applied for it and they only chose 33. How Mm. crazy is that? Yeah, you were part of 33. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was like so amazing. Like what, what, what kind of an email is this from the president? So was this like a once-off thing of building strategies and then the strategies would then be followed through later on? Um, or or does that work still continue today to actually see through the, the project and making sure that they happen eventually? Um, funny thing, the work started and we finished and then the president said, okay, these guys are done, so... We're just going to gazette this work. So we did strategies for all the different government departments. Mm-hmm. But, you know, our fame remains. Until today, I, I'm still called the commissioner. Mm-hmm. There was a time I was buying bread at Spa, and someone said, ah, commissioner, commissioner. I was like, no, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> but, you know, it remained because we, we had a lot of influence in really accelerating, doing digital transformation acceleration during COVID times because a lot of people had to jump in immediately. So mm. I think that's where our fame, if we were in Hollywood, maybe our names, we would have, we would have a hall of fame in our names. Engraved, engraved on the walls. You shall know <laughs> about the commissioners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i mean that's this this is this is great um and i think before we actually get and 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 run towards the end you hold so many awards and you have a latest one um and this is um uh, a social responsibility award how do you feel to actually get this kind of recognition and again we just spoke about the governmental uh work and this is like one of the things that you get to be recognized about and and I, I imagine that not everybody just gets to like on a random day get an award and how does it feel so it was such a huge surprise when I got an email from um Dr Naledi's Pando's office to say that I've been um selected to receive this um Ubuntu social award and it they they've seen my work during technovation um, Taungana and some of the the youth entrepreneurship strategies I was doing with the SADC parliament. Um, so they've seen the influence also I've had um, in the SADC and, and also in the continent through the AU because I would attend the, I, I used to write a lot of, um, I call them white papers for, for gender equality in the STEM area, in the sciences. Mm-hmm. Um, so that award was for someone who is doing quite a lot of, um, how can I put it, brand, you know, putting the essay brand out there in, in, the, in the continent. Um, so I, I I was surprised, like, what are you guys monitoring me? FBI-ish vibes. <laughs> but, it, but yeah, it was such a great surprise. I enjoyed receiving that. That was last year. Yeah. And in my same level was Dr. Um, I need to get his name right. But that was is the DG, the World Health Organization DG. So he got an Ubuntu Award globally and I got an Ubuntu Award for the continent. I was like, what? Get out of here. Yeah, I think it's Dr. Tedros. Tedros, yes, yes, Dr. Tedros. Yeah. And in his table, well, obviously he had bodyguards, but there was a queue of people who wanted to take um 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 wanted to take pictures with him. It is very evident as far as you are concerned that um people are watching and people love what you're doing and more than anything um i would actually say that uh please keep going because we learn a lot i have learned learned a lot i continue to learn a lot you continue to inspire me and i wonder where do you draw from yourself um like all this motivation to do all this work 
in different places and 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 when you show up in different things we've met, we've mentioned so many things that you do here and it's not even like i i have not we have not scratched the surface but in the interest of time we are not going to touch some of the things uh, but just in general where do you draw your motivation from it has to come from somewhere and it comes from god i am just like you i am i have this beautiful relationship with god though i find him so beautiful so terrific and at some time sometimes i find him terrifying because he would throw me in areas where i think i'm not qualified for this place but i would see him just take over with his grace giving me wisdom and i would operate in places that i never thought i would be but it it my my motivation is from there and also a second layer to that it is from my family and and my support system my friends you guys who constantly you know give me the assurance that you know what we we are behind you we applaud you we cheer for you and we encourage and we challenge you to do more and and also um you know women in rural areas that there's something about them that I I don't I don't even know how to describe it. I could just tell when a woman is has well when a woman grew up in a rural area, it's how they get into places, it's how they recognize the place, and also it's how they apply themselves. They just don't get in there and be bullish around the environment, but they would respect the environment. So I always find inspiration from such people. Uh, I really respect you and I respect your work. And um, I think for today, we are going to cut it from here. We have not touched. You are like one of the people who would have to still come back from your story. I want to be in a position where people get to draw from different pages as far as your consent. And um, I I really am going to ask you to come back at some point and then we continue <laughs> the conversation further. Um, so the last question I have is uh, in all these things that we've mentioned and things that we have not mentioned in this case, when you when you look back, um what are what is like one thing that you are really proud of that you like you and you like this is this was my great work yet and this is not you trying to vet your work and or me trying to vet your work and be like ah oh, this is amazing but coming from the sense of pride and 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 really just like uh looking back what are some of those sure i i can say number one is um i think meeting those great women that i was in the chemo rooms with mm-hmm. and having that opportunity to sit with people that they didn't know they're going to leave earth but i got an opportunity to meet amazing people that is like a an, a you know an accomplishment for me surviving cancer and and also just continuing to live and continue to exist in areas you know how people want to cancel you um there was this other time someone said oh look at nomso she's been selected for this again why can't she give us space i would always tell them it's not because i put myself there it's because people have come to know that mm-hmm. i know how to apply knowledge i know how to build things from scratch and and ensure that they succeed hence they want me on their team mm-hmm. um so i think having that um accomplishment to actually to to be rounded within your skills and being up able to apply your skills and be recognized in that area mm-hmm. i think i've said it like so many times that i respect your work um and reiterating for the last time this time that i really respect your work and i'm really really inspired and i hope that everyone who is listening here is as inspired and they are able to still just even one page from from your book and in them still in one page from your book they they will gain some sort of like inspiration and knowledge that they can be anything and they cannot be limited by anything um do you have some last words and some advice and and encouragement to um any woman who has not get it gotten into the space 
or who is feeling stuck within the space and um, they need like something to pick them up to actually continue moving? So there's one thing that my mentor um, always tells me that is Dr. Pumzile Mlambongnuk. She would say that do not allow yourself to be stagnant. When you are stagnant, um, it because, it's because you have no actions, but always get yourself involved in big things. And, and also my other mentor, former president um, um, of Liberia, just start small and just attach yourself to big things. You know, as much as maybe that data science course looks so big and it has new terms, it doesn't make sense, go for it. Start small, understand it. And then even if you take three years, well, it's, it's for a year, but do it, get started. And, and be part of big things. You'll see how your life will evolve. Well, to you, someone who's listening out there, I hope you have taken something out of this. And I think one thing that you didn't mention is the fact that surround yourself with great women. Like you notice how she actually is just like name drop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, so I guess, I guess an advice that she indirectly said is surround yourself with great and amazing women that inspire you. Um, I am lucky because I'm surrounded by people like her and I get to learn from them. So the last part of this conversation is um, about your letter that I have asked you. So I've asked you to write a letter to your 10-year-old self. And right now, before we close off, I just want to th say thank you for giving yourself and giving um, of your time um, and sharing your story gracefully. Um, so yeah, right now, I'm going to just ask you to read the letter um, to your 10-year-old self. Uh, hello, hello, Nomso. <laughs> I know you are playing and you probably have torn your skirt um, because we are trying to get through a fence that had spikes on it, but you wanted to see if you can get through that. Um, I want you. I want you to know that you should not stop this great personality of exploring and being curious and being kind. Um, have confidence in yourself. Don't look for anyone's validation for your own happiness. If it makes you happy and if it makes you um, feel good inside and it does not infringe anyone's right and go Google, go find a dictionary and, and learn that word infringe, then do it. Um, realize that you are a person full of amazing potential, deserving of great things. Goodbye for now. That's my letter. Thank you for joining me in this episode of She Talks Tech. If you enjoyed our discussion and found it inspiring, I encourage you to follow and share the podcast. By doing so, you will never miss an episode and can help spread the empowering stories of women in technology and STEM. Let's work together to break barriers, shatter stereotypes, and build more inclusive and diverse future. Join the conversation, follow and share the She Talks Tech podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to having you with me in the future.